This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. This is the Mark Madden Unfiltered Podcast from the Bet Rivers Network. Hello again, everybody. Mark Madden here on the Mark Madden Podcast for the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. I'm joined as I am this time every week by Tim Benz. Tim, I want to talk a bit today about the uh, college football playoff, which I find to be mind-numbingly stupid in the way it's assembled. Uh, Are the four spots set in stone for the college football playoffs, and are they the right choices? I don't think they're set in stone in the sense that I don't think all the championship games are set in stone. Like I think we could see some upsets in the championship games, and if that's the case, I certainly could see an Alabama or an Ohio State sneaking in. Which would be what the committee wants. Yeah, you're right. Utah has already beaten Southern Cal. They could do so again in the Pac-12 final. And uh, Kansas State's a, a slight underdog, two and a half points. They could beat TCU in the Big 12 final. Uh, and you're... Last statement begs the question, would the committee just rather have Alabama and Georgia and Ohio State and Michigan, regardless of record, would they just rather pop them in there because they're the money teams? Yes, I think they would. I mean, USC is certainly not a bad alternative. TCU, I'm sure, does nothing for them. Notre Dame, when they're good and legitimately good, like top two or three good, that would be a dream scenario too. But for the most part, that's who they want i always look at it mark you yeah, know them for notre dame yeah if they had their way it would be four of those five every year yeah and i think sometimes there's a second sec team that could be interchangeable like an lsu for instance uh maybe if there's a giant big 12 team like an oklahoma uh or a texas something to that effect but honestly i think the preference is what you just outlined aren't the teams in the conference final at a disadvantage because they could lose and get jumped over by a team that's idle, that didn't have to play in a conference championship game. That's where I was going next. Is I've kind of thought this through. I was talking about this on Tuesday night on the show that we do on ESPN Pittsburgh with Tom Bradley, former college coach, of course, at Penn State and uh, UCLA as well. So he's seen this from a couple different conference perspectives. But I look at it this way. If you don't play in the conference championship game like Ohio State isn't, and you've lost what amounts to your divisional playing game like they did against Michigan. And TCU loses its conference championship game to a similar foe in Kansas State. Then it's just a matter of, 
eye test to me at that point. I'm going to pick the better team, and at that point, it's Ohio State. Well, it's a matter of a flawed system. Once you start talking eye test, you're talking about a flawed system. And it could end up being four conference champions, which I think would be great. Michigan, Georgia, TCU, and Southern Cal. It would finally, at long last, be the right thing by utter accident. And that's why I think eight is probably the best way to go. 12 doesn't bother me. I just think you're working awfully hard to get what is potentially a two or three loss team in there as the 12th seed, um, or literally probably the 11th seed, and then the group of five team would be the 12th seed. I just don't think you have to work that hard to create buys. I know what their fear is, that the group of five team as the eighth seed would upset the unbeaten number one. They don't want that, of course. So they want to try to mitigate that. Well, if, if they want to prevent certain results, just work it like wrestling. Just assign a score. And, Aren't they already? <laughs> uh, I mean, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think that's the next step. And I look at TCU. Let me tell you, if TCU beats Kansas State unconvincingly, I am not dismissing the possibility of them being omitted despite being undefeated, which would be ridiculous, but that committee just doesn't want TCU at all. I mean, they can tolerate Southern Cal, and Southern Cal's a program on the come now with all that NIL money out there. They're going to get back to where they were way back when, I think. But TCU, there's no way they want them. They would use any excuse to not have them. And they tried to use, I I think, any excuse to keep Cincinnati out. Recently, it's not all they are in a bigger conference, but the mentality isn't all that different. Now, uh, here's a question I heard posed on national radio, and it's got me wondering was the old way better? There's so much emphasis now on the national championship in the playoff, only one team could have a good season at the end of that playoff, only one team won, and it used to be different. That's okay, though, to me, because it's kind of the same way in pro sports, and we're moving more and more of college sports going to pro sports, so that doesn't bother me so much. You're right. I mean, it's kind of like you look at the NFL, for instance, one team wins the Super Bowl, and maybe there's like a 7-10 and 10 team that's left out, but they lost, or they won their last four games, and they're the only other team that feels good about the way the season wrapped up, and they didn't even make the playoffs. Yeah, but this ain't the NFL. No, it's not. I mean, there's there's not... And there's no definitive way to do it. I would feel okay about the playoff if there was a definitive way to do it. And I, and I long since have been saying, like you say a 12-team playoff, I say a 16 playoff. The five Power Five conference champions and the highest-rated group of five champion, and you give buys to the top two ranked teams among the Power Five champs. That's the only way that you begin a season where every Division One football team has a theoretical chance to win the national championship, it'd be like basketball then. But when you start giving do-overs and conference champions don't automatically get in from the Power Five conferences, it's just too inexact for me to think the old way wasn't better. When you say old way, are you talking about when they picked the top two, or are you saying old way like even before they did that and we just played the bowl games? Yeah, the bowl- just the bowl games. Like, like for example... Back when one team wins the Rose Bowl, another wins the Cotton Bowl, etc. And you kind of know who's the national champion, but all the bowl winners end the season happy. And they also all did something to get there, at least in the traditional bowls. Like, you know, with the with the Rose Bowl being the Pac-10 then champ against the 
Big Ten champ. So you want that part? You want those traditional tie-ins back too, or no? Or would you like to at least leave? I I would like those traditional tie-ins if they're not going to do it an exact way to have a playoff. I would prefer if they go back to the old way of the Bulls just being the final games, that they at least leave the possibility open for two undefeated teams to play each other. For clear-cut number one and number two to play each other. Yeah, but if it's only those two, what about the third team? Like, like in the NFL, there is no perfect way. No, sure there is. I mean, but I think the way, I think the way I describe is the perfect. Your way. six or eight is is fine. Yes, but when but the eight no do overs. If you do eight, have it be the top three ranked group of five teams. No do overs. Do overs suck. They make the conference championship games meaningless. Or in the case of of the Big Twelve and Pac twelve conference championship games, mm-hmm. they're an obstacle. They, they hurt the teams that are playing. So when you say no do-overs, like for the sake of argument, um, let's say that Penn State finishes second in its division and Northwestern wins the Big Ten Championship in an upset over Ohio State. Yep, nobody nobody else gets in the playoff but Northwestern. Okay, even though Penn State never played Northwestern, theoretically? They, they, they lost to Ohio State, right? They lost to Ohio State yep, in the regular season. Too bad. Season. Too okay. bad. And you know what? There's a lot of scenarios in pro sports, Tim, where you could look and say, well, you know, they kind of deserve no too bad. This is what the standings say and what the format is. So that's too bad for Notre Dame then, too, right? They'd have to join a conference. They would have Under to... my plan, they would 100% have to join a conference, and nobody's making them. They could still opt to do it their way, but then they just couldn't win the national championship. Yeah, it's either money or playing for a division. Like I, I don't have a problem with that at all because I think they've for too long had the opportunity to pick and choose which conference they're in for which sport, whatever suits them. Um, that's always bothered me. Okay, so this since this is um, to some degree a gambling podcast, uh, who do you like in the in the conference championship games, Tim? The SEC is a blowout. LSU. Favored by, excuse me, uh, the underdog by 17 and a half points against Georgia. Yeah, I like Georgia there for sure. I cover? Think, uh, probably not. No, 17's a lot. Seventeen's a lot. And is not terrible. No, they're, they're and good. And Brian Kelly's a good coach. He'll have, I mean, he's an execrable human being, but he'll have something, you know, put together to, to, to make a fist of it, I think. I like LSU to cover. I I'm trying to figure out which underdog I like better between Kansas State and Utah. I want to tease both of those spreads to get as many points as possible. What the Pac-12 and Big 12? Yeah, gets. I want to tease Kansas State and Utah together. You know, like six points each, basically. Right. Hit the teaser and get it up to you know over a touchdown each, and then uh, I think you're in good shape. Uh, what about Big Ten? Purdue is a 16 and a half point underdog against Michigan. Well, there was a time when we didn't think Michigan was this good anyway, but they've certainly proven it. I, I kind of like Purdue to cover there. Not not to come close to winning, but maybe backdoor cover. Yeah, again, because it can be a two-touchdown game late, and then they've got a garbage drive at the end, and they score a nothing touchdown, and they cover. Like that, That's a lot of points. This isn't quite NFL territory. That's a lot of points, but... It's a lot of points, especially for those two teams that, quite frankly, aren't feeling the pressure that the other two teams in USC and TCU are feeling right now. Does that make them sleepy for the game? I don't know. Michigan, are they coming down after Ohio State? Maybe. Like, that could be the kind of scenario. Maybe it's like they cover early because they get out to an early surprising 10-point lead or something, and then water finds its level and Michigan State wins uh, 34-24. to Now, you mentioned that you would tease and parlay the underdogs in the Pac-12 and Big 12 championship games. Do you sense an outright upset 
in either of those. Kansas State feels the most potential to me. I think USC is up on the upswing, and I like their quarterback so much. Well, this is a pretty generic, you know, guesswork on my part. I just don't think Utah beats Southern Cal twice in the same season, and I just feel like TCU is not good enough to have an undefeated season. Right. I think that's a lot of what goes into my analysis, too, about why Kansas State is the best bet for a... If you're going to put the money on the money line and ignore the points and try to get into plus money, I think Kansas State's the best bet. Now, if TCU or Southern Cal lose, who jumps in their place? Ohio Ohio State State first, yeah. Okay, what if they both lose? Alabama. I think because then it goes back to what the committee wants. And at that point, if you have Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, and Alabama in the Final Four, there's no point playing the season, ever. If you're just going to put them in with the seasons they've all had, some deserving, some not, then what's the point? Right. And if you're Georgia and Michigan, then you've got to be thinking to yourself, what do we do all this for? Like, why do we win the conference? Just to have these guys who... Well, that's my point, to to not have do-overs. What is the point of winning the conference? Seriously. And... Whether they mean it or not, they would absolutely have to manipulate it that Ohio State was third and Bama was fourth, whether they think that or not. So Georgia has to play. Well, actually, I take that back because Georgia would get the lesser team. So you want to have Georgia play Ohio State, Bama be third and play Michigan because you don't want the two SEC teams playing each other and you don't want the two Big Ten teams playing each other. And here's where their preferences collide with logic. Those four teams, the traditional teams, they would provide the best games. I think TCU and Southern Cal get blown out in the semis if they both make it. Yeah, when I mentioned eye test before, what I was talking about was best players, best rosters, uh, best run offense, best run defense. Those are probably the four. But that doesn't always translate into wins and losses. That's why Alabama's lost a few already. You have to take into consideration what happened to Tennessee and its quarterback as part of why they would be in the mix in the first place right now. So it's eye test or resume. And the tiebreaker to me always is when the two teams, like we're talking about right now, the potential for USC and TCU to lose, that's when I default back to the eye test when the resume washes out between you stubbed your toe in the last game of the season that really mattered or you stubbed your toe in the conference championship game. Who's the best quarterback in college football this year? Because I think that's uh, changed a lot over the course of the season. We talked about who was going to get drafted where. Who is going to get drafted where? I don't know that yet, and I think a lot of it has to do with how they combine too. Because, like, for instance, if you just went at the end of the season, Zach Wilson was not going to be the number 2 overall pick. And he combined his way up to where the Jets took right. him. Like, Caleb Williams is the best quarterback, especially in terms of what he's done this year. What's he got, 34 touchdowns and yeah, three interceptions? Winner. Yeah, I, I think that's pretty much a lock. But is he main, maybe just a little bit bigger Kyler Murray? A little bit smaller Russell Wilson? Is, is that kind of who he is? If he's Russell Wilson, great. I mean, at least Russell Wilson before he went to Denver anyway. Well, well part of the deal is with quarterbacks is they don't teach him to play pro ball. They teach them to win at college. Then they have to be retaught a lot of different stuff once they get to the pros. And that used to not apply to some of the quarterbacks. Now I think it applies to all of the quarterbacks. Plus, we don't know their hand size. And we all know it always comes down to hand size. Kenny Pickett said his hand is growing. Did you see that? Oh, I saw that. The Barstool interview that he did? Is that what you're talking about? Uh, By the way, I'm going to talk about this on my radio show today. Have you noticed that like the Raw Raw podcast, like Barstool and Pat McAfee, you know, all the yay football stuff, They uh, 
pardon my take, they get the great guests because those players know they'll never be asked a challenging question, that they'll be kowtowed to and have their ass kissed. Because it's all about entertainment on those podcasts and not about information. The, they don't necessarily want to get into those Q&A sets unless they stumble into it. Unless they stumble into done. it. Like, for instance, here's here's a good example to that analogy. Did you see the uh, Patrick Mahomes one with the Kelsey brothers? I did not. About how basically Matt Nagy cheated him into being drafted by the Chiefs. So like there's a you know goofing around having a light conversation there talking about draft day how he got drafted, and he revealed that Matt Nagy when he was an offensive assistant under Andy Reid Nagy wanted him more than anybody, so he knew Andy Reid was going to quiz Patrick Mahomes on like certain plays and how to what you would do in oh, a he certain... smartened him up he gave him the plays in advance the night before so he aced the test so to speak. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like though, they get but, they, but, they get those kind of stories. But, but I got to tell you, I think that that those podcasts and the way they interview, it's it it's a novelty at first, but now it's it's bad. G- give you a case in point. There's nothing I'd rather hear less than Pat McAfee talk to Aaron Rodgers now, because it's the same old. Okay, you're a total a hole, but we're going to ignore it because you're Aaron Rodgers. And it just gets to be like everything he excuses himself for having failed at, they rubber stamp. Well, I was wondering how that was going to go, and now I'm at that point now. It's like I just don't feel like there's going to be a lot of news value there when that interview rolls it's around. It's gone exactly as I figured. Because last year he was great. You didn't know what was going to happen with the future and you know the stuff with Tom. But now he's and, failing miserably, and they're not going to ask him about failing miserably. They're not, and they're not going to hammer him about how his personality might be rubbing the rest of the team the wrong way, or you know what if. Uh, you know, the backup love goes in there and has a great game. If if Rodgers doesn't play this week, you know, it's not going to be like a real Q&A um, trying to get answers out of him that he doesn't want to give. Right, and they're ignoring the obvious by, by not asking those questions. That's one thing. You can't ignore the obvious. When he's throwing for a billion yards, you can say, hey, you threw for a billion yards, ain't that great. And you're not then betraying, you know, your profession. Although I think that, People like Pat are in a far different profession than you and I. Yeah, you can't cozy into the question like everybody else is saying, or there's all this other stuff out there. It's, well, you ask the question. Well, you know? as, as long as, as Aaron Rodgers played well, that segment was groundbreaking. And now That's it's, what I was thinking last year, too. Yeah, now it's not. Uh, I, I want to get to some pro games. Uh, and by the way, I want to pat myself on the back because I know nothing about college football and care about it even less and have got through now uh, 18 minutes of college football talk and not sounded like too big of a moron. And now, pro football, uh, here's some games I'm looking at. Baltimore is uh, an eight-point favorite at home against Denver. Is Denver's acquisition of Russell Wilson the worst trade in sports history? They gave up a ton, and he's just rotten. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think of a worse one off the top of my head. It'll take me a little while. It's the worst NFL one that I can think of. You know, the Herschel Walker one always comes to mind for what Dallas did with the picks. See, part of these... Yeah, but this was a more immediate, like, you know, terrible, terrible, terrible. Just you could tell right away. Yeah. It it didn't take more than, like, three or four weeks. You're never going to get anything out of it. The crowd, and it feels like a lot of the rest of the team already doesn't like them. Um, Now, maybe they botched Although that birthday party stuff where, like, half the Broncos uh, didn't show up to his birthday party. Well, half did. And people have other stuff to do. I, like Trey Essex said on Twitter, I can't believe we're taking attendance at birthday parties. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Well, I mean, attendance, that sort of stuff tends to matter more. Like, for instance, everybody's making a big deal this offseason when there was 100% attendance. Everybody went to work out with Mitch Trubisky. Remember that? Right. You know, didn't like, help. It didn't matter. Um, the That's a better is, way of putting it. We don't know if it helped because it didn't matter. He was going to get yanked. Well, I'm not going to say he got yanked the first chance Tomlin had, but Tomlin panicked and pulled the trigger way earlier than he intended to. And I think the funniest residue from that is, as we pointed out, I think, of the podcast last week, maybe two weeks ago, is Deontay Johnson, who's now upset that he's not getting the targets that he should be getting, and he was getting more targets with the guy he was yelling at at halftime. And and perhaps contributed to having benched. Right. If, if, yeah. you, if you believe some of the reports that that was a factor in Tomlin yanking Trubisky. What about the Steelers? They're actually one-point favorites at Atlanta at the Bet River Sportsbook Online. How are the Steelers favored in that game? I don't think that's that much of a stretch, honestly, and I think they're going to win. Um, I think that the— Really? Because Atlanta still has something to play for. They do. They can still win that crappy division. What a matchup. Pick it against Mariota. I think that the defensive numbers and lack of star power for Atlanta on that side of the ball mitigates the Steelers' greatest shortcoming, which is an inability to pop big plays or extend drives. Um, You saw them be able to extend drives. You've seen them be able to extend drives better with Pickett in recent weeks because they're not killing themselves with turnovers late in drives, killing themselves with penalties late in drives. And I think the fact that they don't have a lot of players that produce negative plays for Atlanta is going to help the Steelers. Also, if you look at what they try to rely on, and that's almost the run exclusively, they've gotten into about the 25-pass attempt range in the last six weeks because they have to. The Steelers' rush defense for some of its other warts has been pretty good the last six weeks. Uh, Not terrible. Like, they're up to... Sixth or seventh in the NFL. That, that's skewed some weeks, though, by, you know, the other team just throws the hell out of it and throws it well because their pass defense yeah, is so bad. Yeah, like um, Miles Sanders could have gotten a lot more for Philadelphia if you wanted to, but they just threw all the time because it was easy. Right. Um, you know, I, I think even Buffalo, even though they're not a great running team, probably could have gotten more on that day. Where it will be interesting and where the Steelers could lose is that this team, Atlanta, is so dedicated to the run, so prefers to run, that if the Steelers aren't on the top of their game run defense-wise, it could look like Cleveland. Because Cleveland wants to run, prefers to run, especially when Brissett's the quarterback, and Cleveland carved them up. Yeah, I don't feel like Indy ran enough with Taylor. I don't either. They ran a lot, but should have ran more. And I don't know why they're not thinking the same way that Cleveland is. Because they're coached by an amateur. That's why. And that was shown in the last couple minutes. Uh, what about the Jets uh, getting three at Minnesota? I thought Minnesota would be favored by more. Will the New York Jets stick with Mike White at quarterback indefinitely? I kind of thought he'd pop in for a game and then come back out. I thought they were trying to teach Zach Taylor a lesson. Now people are talking about Mike White as the guy in New York. However, I mean, for the rest of the year anyway. I think they're going to have to do that one touch and feel because they're in a playoff race. You know, like that felt to me like a move that you do for the next. Like the Jets would be used to doing because they're never playing for anything in late November or early December. But now they've got to just go with the hot hand. Like this, it's sort of like they got like what the Steelers did with Tommy Maddox when Cordell got benched. Like that worked for that year. So they just wrote it out. Now, if Maddox had stunk after six weeks and looked like he did in 2003, then they probably would have gone back to Cordell. It's, in like, fact, when, it's like when Tom Zach became the starter in 96. I'm not sure that was the, you know, he got in there real early, I think, in the middle of the first game. Yeah. Because who was it, Kent Graham? No, that was Jim Miller. Jim Miller, you know, didn't play well, but then he played well enough they didn't go back to Jim Miller and just played Tom Zach all year, and they made the playoffs. And Cordell was sort of the gadget guy and took right. snaps here and there, a quarterback. But, um, 
Yeah, I mean, that's that's a good example, too. I mean, for instance, like Tommy Maddox of that 2 season got hurt. Remember he had that neck thing in Tennessee, that stinger that he had, basically? And everybody, was that where they, they the did gurney the gurney races? races? Yeah. That was great. <laughs> the gurney races. And, and uh, Cordell came in, I think, the next week, and they won a game in Jacksonville. So, like, they would have gone back to him if Maddox had stunk, but the Jets are in that netherworld now where they just got to go with week-to-week who they think's better and you know, long-term analysis of Zach Wilson be damned because they're in a playoff race that they could sneak themselves in as the six or seven. Why is Washington a, a two-and-a-half-point favorite at the New York Giants? And, by the way, I feel like this game reveals who's for real, and, and I don't feel like either one is, but why is Washington favored on the road? A little surprising to me. They are playing better. Some warts are evident for the Giants but I also think the Commanders, I mean, I don't know. The Commanders are in the ascension compared to the Giants right now. Or they've peaked. Well, yeah, With the upset but, of Philadelphia and then hanging on to beat the Falcons. But if you're setting a point spread, you've got to go with the ascension yeah. as opposed to just drawing a line Well, I guess let me say this. Peak. If you're going for the point spread, you're going where the, where the money lies, right? I'm surprised there's not more money coming in on the Giants than if that's the case. Uh, Tim, I hear it being discussed on other radio stations that the Steelers might win out. Like, I heard a legitimate discussion that if the Steelers win out, it still might not be enough to make the playoffs. Well, they're not going to win out. Uh, It's amazing. Oh, my phone's ringing. I thought that was going to be be mine. I don't know. Maybe it's somebody for the commanders giving us some inside information. (laughs) Uh, I, uh, I just can't believe that sort of discussion. I just can't believe it. If you're... I can't believe anybody could fool themselves, or if they're not fooling themselves, they're trying to fool the citizens into thinking that's even a remote possibility. Especially since they're fifth place in the AFC East. Like, this notion of they're going to win out is silly. So let's get away from that and even say, if they play well in these last six games, can they play themselves into playoff contention? Well, you know what? If they're six... What are they right now? Four and They're four and seven, right? So if right. they're six and seven... They're not really in it because they lose a tiebreaker to five teams in front of them. <laughs> so, like, they're, they're Maybe not... it'll be like almost happened to Mexico where they're eliminated on most yellow cards. Yes, and those yellow cards were illegally sending a guy in motion when you were down in the red zone. Exactly. Exactly <laughs> right. Um, did the Steelers play well against Indy or is Indy just bad? I, I do like that Benny Snell football was born yet again. Or maybe really for the first time. Yeah, maybe this is his baptism. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I think that they they took advantage of a team that's just as mediocre as they are, and that maybe te- worse. And that team's warts, meaning the coaching, reared its head for the two reasons we pointed out already: their poor execution with the clock down the stretch, and not relying on the most obvious way to help them win, which is Taylor. I know he fumbled; that was a fluky thing. But um, the, the Colts. If you... It was luck, Tim. I mean, look at the sequence where where Cam Sutton idiotically jumped offside on a field goal, which was good. So the Colts get a fresh set of dons and first and goal. And it looks like three is going to become seven, then it becomes zero when they turn it over. And they got a little lucky in the sense that I, I still don't know how Matt Ryan didn't hold on to that fumble. So they got lucky that the ball was fumbled, and they got lucky that the quarterback who was right on top of it... He, he, he didn't want to. It's like, yikes! <laughs> well, kind of like Ben... Going after the ball against the Browns like that. Um, Is Alex Highsmith good or is he good when Watt plays? And why is Watt so quiet since coming back uh, from his injury? Only a half sack in three games. Well, now this time it's ribs again. Remember, it was ribs 
uh, for the Kansas City game last year when he played so poorly, and people were talking to Andy Reid. I was asking Andy Reid before the playoff game, you know, what do you think about their defense now versus last time? It's like, well, they didn't really have Watt. Watt was there, but he was injured. Gee, who could have foreseen that Watt would get hurt all the time? And it's something new again. It's not the knee. It's not the peck. It's either the same rib issue from last year or a new one that's cropped up. And, yeah, I, th- I think we're in this world where you can't predict he's going to play. The contract was a mistake, period. They needed to franchise him year by year. Yeah, and you can't really— And I said that then. Unless you're going to kind of do the Justin Houston, Melvin Ingram thing where he just comes in and pass rushes and you keep his snap count at like the 60 percentile range, you can't do that for a guy you're paying $37 million to. Uh, but, but is Highsmith the real thing? Like I said, he has six and a half sacks in the four games Watt played, three and a half in the other seven games. Well, they better make up their minds because he only has one year left in his contract after this season. I could see him being a hold-in. And, of course, they always pay the hold-in. Yeah, he's not, to me, a hold-in player. Um, I would let him hold in. I've said repeatedly that I think they need to find themselves a third outside linebacker of better repute than a Malik Reed, for instance, uh, in this draft, because they, how many years now? How many times do we have to see? Yeah, but Tim, they, they have how many holes to fill and not enough draft picks? I know. Well, they've got the one extra pick now in the second round, so that will help. But they need an impact outside linebacker for not if Watt gets hurt, when Watt gets hurt. This is sort of like the Chris Letang thing, Mark. You know, when Letang went out, at least the Penguins had Daly and Schultz to help them win another cup. And they don't now. And they don't Although, now. Although, you know what they should do is, is, is I know there's a cap issue. But I would think Latang being hurt creates some cap relief. You got to get Ty Smith up here. Yeah. Because Ty Smith, I'm not saying he's Latang, but he plays like Latang. Okay. You know, good skater, good with the puck, you know, zone entry, stuff like that. And Chad Ruedel just don't play like Latang. And he can run the power play, from what we hear anyway. But would Sullivan let him in this veteran group when, well, Jeff Petrie's been in the league for years? Yeah, he stood around like it on the winning goal against Carolina like he was going to stand there for years. Him and the other oldie moldy Jeff Carter. That was what transpired there, and you made the point on your show yesterday. Like, I get it. That guy got away with a brutal hit. They were pissed. they got to remember there's not two other guys on the ice to go chase the two guys they're forgetting about. Well, And if you're going to go after the guy who delivered that hit, then hit him. Stop play. Take a penalty. If you go down him in, it's better than surrendering a 2-1-0. Right, and the other guys for Carolina were cognizant of that. Like, they weren't going to stand around and let you know go to protect their guy who was getting beaten up. They were going to go win the game! And they took the puck and they went towards the net. Tim, do you bet hockey very often? I do. I, try. I took the under in that game. Did, did you have the over in Seattle and the L.A. Kings, that 9-8 game? No, I didn't. I didn't. How about that game? That's Seattle's all of a sudden in second place. They can score. It reminded me, but they can't stop it, and you can't win 9-8 all no. the time. It reminded me of a game, and I looked it up to make sure my memory was correct. January of 96, San Jose wasn't very good. They were still kind of an expansion team then, and they came to Pittsburgh and beat the Penguins 10-8, and Tom Barrasso was in for all nine goals against it before the empty netter. Uh, I'm amazed I don't remember that better because it was glorious. And then what was wasn't San Jose also the team that uh, Mario? What did he get? Five, was it five goals against San Jose? What was the one? Oh no! When I when I covered the team, that was uh, I think it might have been that same year. They they beat him like eight, eleven to nothing or something like that. Something like that. And he was mad because he only got like six points. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was a bad was, mood in the locker room after he had a hat not trick. a bad mood. But he's saying, yeah, but I missed this and Artie yeah. missed that. And I go, wait, you got 
how many points you're mad. He goes, well, the record's 10. You only get so many chances. Well, when you get 199, you don't want a heart trophy. Maybe you worry about every single point. Tim, will Tom Brady go back to New England? No. That's the rumor. I saw that written in The Athletic, right? Uh, I would love to believe that as a scenario. I don't think it happens. I think he winds up uh, either in Vegas or Tennessee. Isn't it ridiculous that he's moving around like a cheap hooker now? It's kind of like Gretzky at the end, right? Yeah, well, yeah, like, like I hate that. I, I, I hate that. I don't care if it gets you more wins. I hate that. For him to, you know, leave New England and go to Tampa and, like, you know, win the first year, that's a story. But not a bounce to a third team when you're, you know, so old. And a lot of people, me included, just say, okay, you were great. Now go away. You blew your marriage up. Go away. Football ain't everything. Go away. And he ruined it a lot for other quarterbacks because they all think they can play until their 40s too. San Francisco's the only team where he can ring chase and have a chance out of those four, I think. And I just don't know if he'll like the system enough. Why would you turn away from Jimmy Garoppolo? He's a winner. Yeah. He's a winner. I mean... And you can get there in that conference with him. They almost did last year. And they might again. That's Tim Benz. I'm Mark Madden. This is the Mark Madden Podcast on the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. Catch new episodes of Mark Madden Unfiltered every week. Available on the Bet Rivers Network, betrivers.com, and wherever you find your podcasts.